I, for one, welcome our new gentlemen, overlords. Who? 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 Now that's a team I can work with. I love it. I love bringing people together. How we doing? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gentleman Overlords Social Distancing Edition. There may be many social distancing editions, so maybe I don't want to promise that much. Hey, I'm Andrew, and with me is... Max. And Robert. Robert. How you guys doing? Doing all right, Andrew. Doing okay. All things considered. Yeah. Um, Let's get into some of these... Uh oh, uh oh, I already damn it, I forgot that I don't have the movies. Let's do TV first. So let me play that TV okay. theme. Hang on a sec, it's gonna play. TV shows we've seen. <laughs> we've seen <laughs> TVs, baby. Uh what sort of TVs you guys been watching? Uh well I'll start. start back. You go. Boom. <laughs> sure, sounds fantastic. Uh, have you guys heard of a show called The Killing? Yeah. Yes. It was uh, one of it was like AMC before AMC blew up. Yeah. And uh, it takes place in Seattle. <gasps> Ooh. Storyline wise, even though all of the filming is done in Vancouver. Oh, what a ripoff! But they have all the the B roll. Uh, Them playing uh, paintball in Gasworks Park. Yeah. Uh, that would be them awesome. fighting on top of the space needle. <laughs> it's interesting though, because I'm always pausing it during that B-roll during the scenes where it's just like flying through the city because and you, and you see you in the background. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm in it. All three I'm of us like paid. recording on oh a God, table. I'm credited. I'm in the show that much. They showed the locks a lot. Wait, really? Yeah. I don't oh. know. It's got it's got that interesting uh, train bridge thing going across it. Oh wow, so. Jamie's probably in the show then. <laughs> oh yeah, you should let her know about it. Um, yeah, I I'm I just watched season one and two of four, and I'm really digging it. And here we go again. It's... Where do we go again? You uh, you sort of slowly making your way mid, mid through a TV through show, not really knowing where you are in the show later. That's halfway through in, <laughs> just, in two weeks. I'm just, I'm, That's pretty come good. on, come That's on, man. Next, but, but Max, I'm Mark turning Howard, a new leaf here. <laughs> the next time we talk to you, you're going to be like, I'm a third of the way through the second season. and <laughs> Probably. But it stars uh, Rick Flagg from Suicide Squad. and The character? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forget the actor's name, Joel that Kinnaman. That, I think that's it. Joel Kinnaman, and I know you guys, I, I feel like when we were um, recording the, the podcast for that one, for Suicide Squad, I said he was all right, and you guys kind of hated on him. Let me tell you, this show... I don't recall him being, like, an exciting leading... He was supposed to be, like, the, the, the good guy, if there was one, because he was, like, the cop leading the squad mm-hmm. through, through the city. I think uh, he was supposed to be played by uh, Tom Hardy at first. And so everyone. Thought I thought he, he was going to just... be Captain Boomerang. Really? I thought so well, because, I like, like I, the the guy who ends up playing Captain Boomerang looks like a bootleg Tom Hardy. He does, but he also was good as Captain Boomerang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the. I, I mean, Robert and I both would agree he's the best part of that movie. Mm, I think Slipknot was the best part. Oh, sorry. The man who can climb anything. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant the soundtrack. Also, the band Slipknot, yeah. They were in the background of a scene because it was filmed in their hometown or whatever. <laughs> hey, I just got a message from a text from Jamie, and she said she is, which she did star in The Killing. What? Oh, excellent. Yeah. She, and she didn't, she, she wasn't even able to hear you. She just texted she you that. Top of, the call, top of the call sheet, she said eventually, because she was there so much. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, maybe that's uh, going to happen in season three and four. I'll get to that in a year or so. <laughs> Well, keep us posted, I guess. <laughs> uh, but it's good. It's an it's an interesting uh, like who done it, and it's also interesting to hear them talk about places uh, that I know of. Like, oh hey, we need to get down to uh, Ballard and... High School. Yeah, Ballard getting the geography wrong. Like... Yeah, it's so like the the like um, the victim from the first season um, lives 
on Ballard Ave, and it looks nothing like Ballard Ave. They <laughs> they live in a like two story house, and the bottom story is uh, a garage that they run a business out of. But it's <laughs> it's pretty funny to watch it, knowing uh, that it's completely wrong and and awful. I bet their but, phone lines were lighting up that night. People just in oh smash. yeah, I know. Did you say Ballard Ave? Come on! Oh my God! But yeah, it's a good show. I like it, and it's cool that it takes place in Seattle somewhat. Uh, other than that, I've I finished up Resistance, the um, Star Wars one, and and uh, am current on the new season of Clone Wars. Oh, okay. And it's pretty cool. Did you hear the the Clone Wars related news about Mandalorian season two? Ooh. I do know this news. Is that ah- Ahsoka is going to be in? Is that her name? Yes, that's correct. Played by Rosario Dawson, which I think is incredible that's casting. Pretty, I mean, like, I'm not super familiar with Clone Wars, and I am aware of who the character is, but even my base level of knowledge, that's a, I, mm-hmm. that's a pretty cool casting choice. Uh, Cory Booker's girlfriend, Rosario, Rosario Dawson. Come on! Um, Sorry, I just farted three times into the microphone. I do know that the... I, I do think that the... I think it's the voice actress actually might have been really pushing for the possible role. She was pushing yeah, for I, Cory Booker and, and Roy Zyra Dawson to get together? Yeah. Rosario I, and... <laughs> no that always does disappoint me when you have uh, an actor who who does the voice acting and could do the, the acting when you don't go with them. She, I think the voice actress has even dressed up as Ahsoka for like. Yes, maybe that's uh, what I'm thinking of too. Celebration stuff, um, like Disney celebration stuff, and so I think that is kind of disappointing. I was actually thinking that like I really do like the casting of Rosario Dawson. I think she's going to do a great job, but oh, I also sure. I also bet the voice actress uh, would have been incredible, and of they course, do, really they do still bring role. in the voice actress to dub over Rosario. I was just gonna say, what a oh, fuck geez. you to both of them would that be to like have her dub the lines? And it's poorly dubbed too. It's like really bad. <laughs> it's not matching her mouth whatsoever. It's different lines. <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of like um, because that happened kind of like with um, oh god, why does his name just drop out of my head? Uh, Donald Glover. People wanted him to be Miles Morales Spider-Man for a long time. Oh, right. It feels yeah. like he aged out of it, but hey, he still ended up being that random henchman in the Homecoming. Yeah, isn't that or, so, wasn't that nice for him? So that's just like being well, Spider-Man, basically. Well, technic- technically, he's uh, what's what's the guy's name? Spoiler, not spoiler. Uh, Shocker. No, like the his uncle from Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, Prowler. Prowler, that's it. Oh, was that the implication? Yeah, like the the character name. They never showed him as doing anything Prowly, but he's supposed <laughs> to be the uncle, and he says, you know, he's my nephew. Miles Morales I'm going is my out nephew. To Prowl. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he played a character. It wasn't Miles, but I'm sure he's fine playing Lando Calrissian. I'm sure he'll play a huge role in the next phase of the Marvel universe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, I might have egg on my face. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? He could he's be the next. Be in, home, so. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to take down Morbius. Oh, my God. <laughs> Good. Someone has to. Oh, dang it. That movie got pushed back, too, didn't it? Oh, shucks. Oh, yeah, no. I was going to mention that if we wanted to take a, a, a slight detour in the middle of TV we've seen. Did you want to take a detour into like maybe some sort of mutant news? Is that what you're talking about? Uh oh. I maybe. Uh let's let's we do got that. ourselves an X-Men fan. You know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning. Must know who they are and above all what they can do. I'm Professor Charles Xavier. I'm the juggernaut! Robert, you must have had a tingle that, that was playing even though you couldn't hear it, right? I assu- I just assumed yes I had some sort of I was I'm in Cerebro right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Robert, this is um, your this is your soapbox. Well, Go ahead, talk about well, whatever. I mean, what I think we're alluding to in general is is basically the summer movie lineup is like is completely dashed, and that includes uh, not only the uh, only yes Morbius, but the often uh, I think we mentioned on an earlier 
episode, the often delayed uh, New Mutant. Oh my god! <laughs> will never, never possibly it, come out. It will never come I, out. I think that that it this the maybe girl who plays Arya will be like a grandmother, and she'll be like, <laughs> "Finally, my movie!" And she'll go to the red carpet. Finally, <laughs> it's uh, it's insane. But it's I mean, it's also like a bunch of movies, and you wonder. And I was actually curious, how many movies do you think? Because it feels like a lot of movies that were sort of right on the cusp and were, and were sort of feeling the initial um, kind of like social distancing kind of please, like a lot of stuff underperformed. And then you had things like Frozen 2 and a few other movies that were recent enough that they're now available to either rent for a night for like 20 bucks or I think a couple of them you're going to be able to buy in the next week or two. I think Frozen 2 is like available on the streaming service in like a week or so. And Frozen 2 is already so, on Disney+. Plus. Is it out? Is it for free now on there? Yeah, and then I think onward. I think onward is what you're thinking of. Onward is maybe that's why is available for rent right now, and like I think on Friday, we'll be yeah. on Disney Plus. I'm excited. I want to watch that one because I've heard I, I thought I heard it was hearing mixed things, and now I'm hearing kind of better things, and I'm I don't, but I still don't have any sort of spoilers or anything, so I'm I'm excited to yeah. check that one out. Um, but I guess in general, I was wondering, do you think some movies instead of missing their release date might just try for like a digital launch well, they're, instead. They're talking about doing that with Mulan and uh, uh, Black Widow, I think are the two movies that oh. are, that are talked about the most because uh, Mulan is, was supposed to have already come out and um, mm. Black Widow was supposed to come out in May. Right. I think so. And so those are two movies that like, I mean, like it's, it's tough because like, who knows what's going to happen in the next two months, right? Like, you know, uh, so it's, it's hard to know, like by, you know, June or July, are, are we going to be able to go to the movie theaters? And in which case, like, obviously Marvel studios would prefer to recoup their money through going like through theater money. Like, I think they'd get a lot more than uh, what they get from, you know, VOD. But at the same time, like, are, you know, do you want to do you want to bank on that? Do you want to think like, well, the movie theaters will be open in July. We'll just put it out then, versus like put it on VOD in May, and you know, just figure that we may not have have access to to movie theaters by Ju- July or yeah, you know, whatever. It's gonna be a weird. It's gonna be pretty like a timid time when you you feel comfortable enough to get around everyone until until people are like inoculated or right. until like not to bring it back down, but like it's gonna be. It's going to be scary, like, things like this. Anyone who who knows about, you know, kind of diseases and stuff like this, like, they, they can flare back up. Right. It only takes, and this is particularly contagious. So it is, it's the grim reality, but I just, I was curious how it was shaping things. So I wanted to mention, and we can get back to um, the TV we've seen, but uh, the U.S. box office totals for the week of March 20th through the 26th was $5,179. Last year, at this time, it was two hundred and four million. I mean, I to to be frank with you, I'm surprised there was five thousand dollars worth of movie theater tickets sold in that week. Like people I, speculated that there was like it might have been like special showings or like some theaters. Like I heard a theater was like playing movies on the side of their building, and the people were just in their cars like a drive-in. Yeah. So I don't I don't know I don't know where the five thousand comes from. Maybe someone bought five thousand one hundred seventy nine dollars worth of like juju bees or something <laughs> at one theater. Yeah. I mean I guess there was I, I remember seeing uh advertisements for like AMC theaters where they were like, We're only allowing fifty people in to like every showing and you know you had to there had to be oh. space between every seat. But I mean that that felt like like I mean, everything feels like a month ago or like a year ago now, but like that felt like a while, like longer than March twentieth. But I guess it could have mm-hmm. been like there still could have been theaters doing that. Yeah. So very crazy to think that that's that was sort of how how big the gap is from from one year ago. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry for the digression, though, Max. What were you? No, what a, else have you a seen? well worth reason to play the mutant news. Theme well, song. of course, and, yeah. and we barely exactly. mentioned mutants, but you know. Uh, yeah, our, there's also um, uh, uh, a friend of mine has a kid, and he started watching um, the X Men, the animated TV series, because it's on uh, Disney Plus. 
Oh, which one? The the, the original 90s. The, or the 90s one? Yeah, the original. Uh, yeah. With the, the glory days, you know. The Dan. The one with the Steamboat X-Men. The what? The 1930s ones, the Steamboat X-Men. Exactly. <laughs> Black and white. Yeah, the and they're all just like they're all just like bobbing up and down and whistling. Yeah. Oh man, I would love to see that. And the hey. X Men take a take the uh, the Quinjet to the uh, the Dark Continent. Ooh. Oh. What? <laughs> what guys? <laughs> Those were cartoons back then. It's true. That's what it's cartoons unfortunate. From. Yeah. Anyways, he was trying to uh, figure out what Gambit's other powers were besides throwing cards. And I had to explain uh, charm. Like a talent just because he can do that. It's he can make things have kinetic energy turned on. Yeah. Well, I mean, besides that, besides being able to charge things with kinetic energy, I was wondering what else could he do? Also, what else can Jubilee do besides shoot fireworks? These are tough questions to answer because there's essentially nothing. (laughs) Yeah. These are, these are the tough questions of our time. Exactly. Uh, I said it's, Gambit it's can also like now. Exactly. <laughs> I majored I in X Men knowledge, and my dad, uh, the Wikipedia wasn't loading, so I'm not even sure if he knew the answers. But so, yeah, Gambit can grow seven feet tall. <laughs> um, Usually six eleven. So yeah, it's pretty impressive that that inch growth spurt. Uh, any the uh, the other TV. Sh- shows that I've been watching are on uh, a channel called Pet Collective that I didn't know I had. Uh, and it just shows YouTube videos of animals running around being cute. And it's awesome. You know what? I think this is on at a bar I went to one time. In the before times. In the before. <laughs> back when bars existed. Yeah. It was a ga- it was a gathering place for uh, Terran and we would uh, have libations. <laughs> uh, I think they were playing that animal channel thing. I would check your uh, smart TV if you have it, see if it's an, an option, and then always have it on when you don't have something else to watch because little puppies running around are so cute. True. Oh, I also watched on Disney Plus, there was a um, How Dogs Got Their Shapes, and I recommend <laughs> that to anyone. It's really cool. It goes through kind of how dogs were bred, the reasons And then how humans bred. ruined their shapes by breeding. <laughs> Exactly how uh, they can't breathe anymore and have so many bone problems. But I don't know. I found all of it really interesting, especially the stuff on greyhounds, which before this really creeped me out because they would shiver and they're just way too skinny. But they they can run super fast, mm-hmm. like nearly as fast as a cheetah. That's crazy. Mm. I don't know if that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want them faster than cheetahs. <laughs> make, make him have to sit every two seconds. <laughs> yeah, the good training. Sit. I like Stand right, a Little but... Help, my favorite Greyhound. He is a pretty cool one. And that's all I've watched for TV. Cool. Rob, you seen any TV? Yeah, I've seen some, some TV. Um, I watched a little more Medical Police on YouTube, or uh, pardon me, Netflix. Uh huh. And that's of the children's hospital spinoff um but it is the plot is directly tied to like uh, a deadly virus being unleashed it's very so it's, I it's, gave it up. the timing was very weird i also was like i was watching it and then once like this started to get a little more serious i was like i don't know that i can like escape to like yeah. a comedy that's about this it might be it's going to be something that like with with time will be maybe be able to be viewed easier but it currently right. i was like oh this is an unfortunate yeah unfortunate timing which is too bad they're because funny. they're both very uh, both rob hubel and aaron hayes are extremely funny in it mm-hmm. but it's it is uh um, it's a hard thing to like want to turn your brain off and laugh at something when there's when it's just like what's going on oh yeah um and then i also watched uh devs which is on uh, Hulu. Oh yeah, I think we talked about we maybe talked about like being interested in that and like what is what is it? Yeah, because it's very like it's kind of very mysterious and just definitely like I mean definitely like the cinematography is great, but it is sort of like a there's a little bit of like an inciting mystery, but it's sort of um, like a tech company in um, 
in San Francisco, outside of San Francisco, and it's run by Nick Offerman. And I forget what it's called. It's called I think it's called Amaya, and it's like that's his daughter's name, and she's it's probably obvious that she's not around anymore because there's an enormous statue that overlooks the entire campus, and you see in a lot of the marketing mm. of the daughter with her hands out. Mm-hmm. And um, it's sort of like they're working they have like a department called devs that's like working on like really kind of like just bleeding edge sort of computations. And I will kind of leave it sort of open-ended because um, that's just kind of the the fun of it is that there's definitely like, you know, some, some mystery and some weird stuff. And it feels a little like, almost like, I wonder if, if people will look at devs in like 10 years, like we look at eighties hacking movies and nineties hacking movies. Mm-hmm. But, um, cause it feels a little like, you know, high on its horse in that respect. But I, I like some of the performances and, um, yeah, I, I'm digging it so far. It's pretty interesting. Like I said, there's some, uh, there's some really cool visuals and stuff too. So I, I might just have to know, I might not know until it all ra- wraps up kind of, how it all goes but i'm enjoying it so far i was i was getting some equilibrium vibes from the uh trailer for it it does it is it kind of related to that kind of knowing the future based on calculations it it is a little like stark in the way a, a nolan movie is i guess not quite as i guess it's a little like it's a little trippier it's a little it's a little more legion than nolan Mm. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, but I, yeah, like I said, I dig it. I would, I would give it a shot. I don't know if there's any way to see it outside of the Hulu, uh, stuff right now, but yeah, it's, it's good. Um, and then I think the only other TV I watched other than that is, uh, Tiger King on Netflix. Oh boy. That's the one that everyone's talking about. Just blowing up the internet. Yeah. I, I resisted too. And I think I'd been, uh, I'd been furloughed when, uh, we were kind of started watching it. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna like not. I'm just gonna go like lie down. So I didn't watch like the first couple episodes, and then uh, the next day, uh, when more was being watched, I was kind of like, oh my god, what is all this? And then I did. Uh, I did machete order. I did three, four, <laughs> and I went back <laughs> one, two, and then I did the the finale the next you know day or two or whatever. Um, yeah, it's really good. It's a lot of crazy people that you can't believe exist and then they just it just gets crazier and crazier um and it is primarily about like the relationship between these two like one woman's name is carol baskin and she has like a big cat rescue and then the other guy is joe exotic and he has like this huge wild animal park with like 200 and something like lions and tigers and stuff. It's insane. And when you, they try and tell you that like, you know, they care about them more than anything. And, and it just, it feels at some point, it's just like, you're scratching your head. I think because like, they're like finding expired meat from Walmart and, and feeding it to them and also like stealing what they can because they don't get paid anything hardly. And, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to spoil all of like the wildest stuff about it, but it's honestly worth checking out just for, just almost for the spectacle of like how, how crazy it is that this is happening. And I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully, puts more of a light on it to the point where uh, the animals are all being properly taken care of because it's sort of dubious at best. That was that uh, was the reason. That was what I had heard, and the reason why I haven't watched it is that like, to me, like I had heard that there was just like depictions of like to- like animal abuse like rampant in it. I, I think I think like it depends on your definition as far as like like Carol Baskin who's arguably uh, there's no there's no pro there's no hero they're all antagonists but she seems to be like I have a couple tigers and I'm just meant to like show you like look at them and uh and otherwise I'm I'm all for conservation but most of these people seem to like not be able to disconnect having and being around them at all and also advocating for that. Mm -hmm. And so whereas some people are like, it's cruel to even bring the little cubs out and take pictures with them and pet them because, you know, at some point it just seems like everyone's selling them and not just to like other zoos. Like, like think about it. We, we go to zoos and there's like what two tigers sometimes three, 
there's this guy has 220 something who is he even selling them all to how is he keeping them all fed it's 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 insane i wouldn't say there's anything abuse wise as far as like their like surroundings sometimes are not ideal but i feel like that at, at zoos sometimes i would say it's just more like morally you know that they could be doing better for them and they're doing things immorally to keep them around and a lot of people like straight up are just like it's the allure like one guy takes tigers into a in a suitcase to vegas and is like hey you want to come up to my hotel room i have like little tigers <laughs> like it's so what you're so saying is what you're saying is the the abuse sort of depends on what your definition of is is oh my god yeah <laughs> i did not take pictures with that tiger <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought this was a murder pretty, thing. It, I would say almost just like watch the first episode just so that you will have the beginner's level understanding of the memes that you're going to be experiencing for the next month, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> okay. But um, but no, it it was it did entrance me. Um, it's it's crazy all the all the people involved and um, yeah, it's it's something else. There's there's going to be. All of your favorite comedians will be doing uh, internet videos about this in, uh, when the trend has died. So get in now. Okay, good. So I, I heard this was true crime, and I thought somebody got murdered. I thought that it was uh, like there a, a is, murder there thing. There is murder. Like one of, well, like one of, the, one of the characters, one of the people's um, husbands like disappeared and never, ever came back. And they inherited everything, and there's just like a lot of like stuff surrounding that and he did own these giant cats and people think that he was fed to them and then that same person later on like oh man there's like a scene where like someone has something on their boot and the tiger's like trying to like get it off and like attacking the person in the mm -hmm. cage and when it cuts to her she's like that's so crazy for that to happen you'd have to put i don't know sardine oil on your shoe and it's like how did you know wait what what exactly yeah <laughs> it was really, yeah it was it was very bizarre um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's just, uh, I, I'm rambling, I'm reeling cause I'm thinking of all the details and, but I don't want to, I don't want to spoil too much, sure. but yeah, there is, there is an element of true crime. There's definitely crime afoot. Mm, okay. Is that it, Rob? Uh, that's it. That's it for my TV. Okay. Uh, How about you, Andrew? You watch uh, anything? Uh, I mean like sort of just like creature comforts right now. Like I'm, I'm rewatching deep space nine, uh, star Trek. And like, I the, the thing that occurred to me, this, I was watching a couple episodes this morning and like, this show is so much hornier than I remember it <laughs> being like, they're just like, not that like all the characters are like, you know, fucking around with each other, but like, there's just a lot of like characters sort of like innuendos and like, you know sort of that sort of like it just compared to like next generation it's just like much hornier than i remember it being and then obviously like voyager they're in a much di more dire situation so there's not a lot of room for that sort of thing but like it just i don't think i remember it being this horny i think you should rewatch tng and voyager also they're pretty horny as well well i will be watching just them with uh new eyes if you know what i mean oh yeah I think maybe the reason you didn't think it was so horny the first time you watched it was because you were equally horny and it just fit. <laughs> it just felt normal. Yeah, yeah, I've never heard Deep Space Nine described as horny. It just it, it was it just struck me as like wow these like you know like obviously you know like Dax I think because of of her like having these different lifetimes is sort of like a very like fluid character and at least until she like marries Worf like she's. There's just like a lot of like, well, I I could be with this person or I could be with this person, and she's like very her character seems very flirty in general. So like, I think like it just it opens up as like a different thing, and then obviously like almost every character at a certain point is like lusting after her or Norris, who is you know they're both beautiful women, but like it's there's also like a a, a real like in certain episodes there is just a very strong sense of misogyny also where like it's a lot of male characters sort of lusting after female characters and not like, I don't know. It's just, it, 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 I am enjoying it. Obviously I love star Trek, but it was just, there's certain things about it that have struck me this watch through that. I didn't really catch the first time. Wow. 
Well, I hope you're enjoying it. I mean, yeah, I, it's very horny, so I am obviously enjoying it a lot. If you know what I, mean. I, I was gonna say, kind of shocked that you're even admitting admitting this, but yeah, I mean, you do you, man. Hey, my wife's not listening. I, what do I care? Um, and then the the other <laughs> the other thing I'm watching is uh, there is a, a a wrestling documentary show called Dark Side of the Ring, which is uh, very like it takes on really heavy subjects and. They just recently put out a two-part episode about the Chris Benoit murder-suicide that was really hard to watch, but ultimately very good. And the story is just, it is a, it is one of the most wild uh, true crime wrestling stories that there's ever been. Um, so if, if that's your sort of thing, I recommend it, but it is a very heavy subject and it is not a happy, it's not a happy story, so... Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I was just mm. thinking about Benoit recently and how crazy that that happened. Yeah, it was. It's nuts. I mean, it's it it is like that story is just so. It's so horrible. Like it is just it is one of the worst things, in the world. What he did. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, uh, that's the TV I've been watching. I'm going to play the theme song, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about Honey Boy, baby. That is the theme song to Honey Boy. Uh, it was, of course, Honey by Mariah Carey. Uh, mm-hmm. Honey Boy, starring Shia LaBeouf uh, and uh. the actor whose name I can't remember right now, who plays Otis. Um, Honey Boy sort of a autobiographical film about Shia LaBeouf growing up, mm-hmm. written by Shia LaBeouf. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of Honey Boy? I liked it. It was a lot heavier than I expected. I thought it was going to be more about him just in um, even Stevens and, and kind of how he grew up in showbiz. But it was more just kind of about how his um, asshole dad uh, turned him into life. an asshole. <laughs> yeah. 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 Rob, what'd you think? It was... I, yeah, it was an interesting one. I watched it in um, two chunks. Like I watched half, and then I watched the other half. And because um, it was just like, yeah, again, more uh, heavy than I was anticipating. And I didn't realize initially that it was autobiographical. I just assumed I didn't. I didn't make the connection at least at first, because um, it didn't to me look. The kid looked kind of like him as a kid, but it didn't look like him to me a lot as the older actor. Um, but when I came back to it, I did realize that. So I kind of had a different perspective on it. And yeah, it was definitely sad, but um, yeah, it's very interesting too. Cause he's very, uh, you know, Shia LaBeouf's a very strange person. And it sounds like he's had a very, obviously had a very strange upbringing in this movie feels like kind of an extension of his kind of performance art and stuff. I don't, I don't know. I, I felt I felt sort of uh, maybe not quite neutral. Like, I enjoyed it. There was some stuff I enjoyed, but it was, it was, a, it was an interesting watch. Max, you, were, you, you, think, were making, you were making a point before I interrupted you for Roberts. What, did, what were you saying? Uh, no one cares. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what did you think, though? I liked it a lot. I... I for me, like I, I think like I, I knew he had written the movie. So in the opening scene, when he's like getting sort of like jerked around by like a machine, and while they're sort of like ostensibly filming Transformers at the beginning of the movie, um, I that was the moment where I was like, oh, okay, I think this is probably going to end up being sort of autobiographical because I think we're going to find like, I, I thought the movie like you, Max, I thought it was going to be a little more about like sort of like a this is this is the sort of shit i had to go through on set of these different Mm -hmm. things like you know even stevens transformers what have you Mm -hmm. because like they had a like at the beginning they showed they showed sort of like a sizzle reel of all these like different movies that he was doing and i thought one of them was the sort of a a one-to-one with the uh what was that west like sort of western movie he did with tom hardy 
Oh, lawless. Yeah, I thought there was like a lawless sort of uh, like you know one to one in there, and then there's a couple ones where it's like they were clearly supposed to be versions of movies that he's done, and I thought that was going to be more of the movie was like all these you know sort of seeing him in these like like what we outside of his life sort of took as his like descent into madness what and ultimately ended up being sort of like a yeah you're right like more of a movie about like how his his like ass asshole father sort of like ruined his his entire life mm-hmm. so I, I i liked it i thought like so i i did i read a little bit about this apparently he wrote this during his like rehab process mm-hmm. a couple years ago yeah and this was like writing this was part of that program for him mm-hmm. Hold on, i guess I he know. also won an award for this and uh and thanked the people who arrested him after the dui uh during the award speech hmm uh, uh, yeah, I thought it was real, real quick. Great. Um, my computer is linked to my phone, and so it just uh, the listeners will hear a ringtone going on that was going on while you were talking. I don't think it, <laughs> I don't think it totally superseded what you said, but just in case people are like, why, why did a ringtone just play? That was why that happened. All right, Andrew's blowing up. I'm blowing up, baby. Up. It's uh, Shia LaBeouf's lawyers. <laughs> don't call my dad an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. But I thought probably because it's based on uh, real life, all the characters were really believable, right? Yeah. Uh, but also that goes to show how like honest it was because you can never know, right? With an autobiographical thing, somebody writing about themselves, really how, how much is for the movie and how much isn't. But I, I believe a lot of it and I feel like I know people who are very much like that, people who have parents who were kind of in that same boat maybe messed up by war and definitely messed up by uh, drugs, alcohol. Yeah. And um, some of them, you know, trying to overcome that. Some of them just kind of getting beat over the head by it over and over again. But uh, those people who, while they may even be trying uh, very hard, are just um, difficult to be around and uh, kind of have an impact on everyone around them. Yeah, I think that's a that's a very good point. I I like for me watching the the especially the older actor. I mean, they don't they don't do a ton. A lot of this movie is sort of told in the um through the perspective of the the younger version. I I mean, it's it's weird cuz it's being you're being I think the movie takes place in 2005 when you're sort of with the older version of this what is ostensibly Shia LaBeouf. <clears throat> and he's sort of telling what happened to his therapist, and that's why we're seeing these scenes of younger younger him working opposite uh, his dad, who is played by Shia LaBeouf. And so we're sort of getting the the story told back to us, and that's why we're spending time in, in 1995 with this younger version of him. Um, yeah. And I, the, the stuff that, I mean, like, it's it's hard watching a character work through anger issues. I think we all have had, you know, anger issues in our life and sort of like, I thought it was very believable to see this guy working through these issues and not really knowing how to channel his anger and not knowing what's causing it. And sort of like that journey he's taking through the movie. I thought was very, he did a very good, I wish I remembered the actor's name. I can look it up right now, but I thought he did a great job of that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the younger actor? Lucas Hedges was the... Noah, Noah Duke. Okay. Oh, the older actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what were, like, I don't know, do you guys have any favorite, like, scenes you liked? Was there anything that, like, really talked... Like, I, I, it's hard to say because, like, it, it's hard for me yeah. to say that because it's a very, like, it's a movie about a guy who is going through, a, a, you know, immense abuse from his father and sort of like the 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 fallout from that and so it's hard to say hey what what, there's some scenes you liked from it but like was there anything Mm -hmm. in it that sort of like particularly stuck out to you or spoke to you in any way yeah it is weird because uh the way you framed it and then what popped into my mind like two totally separate things what which scene did i like uh i actually kind of moved over to uh, which one was the most emotionally impactful right and not one that I liked at all, but, but when he got slapped in the face, 
um, by his dad because he emasculated him basically by saying that he was his boss. And then his dad goes off and, and rides his Harley into the distance. And well, he says, he and, says if, if you, if you'll hit your boss once, you'll hit him twice. And then he, he smacks him. Yeah. Yeah. Like that whole scene that, and then, uh, them coming to terms with what had happened all of that i thought was the heart of the movie the emotional heart of the movie and uh was done very well i wouldn't say that i liked it because <laughs> it's, it's very, yeah you know difficult to watch and everything but i thought that that was was they built up to it and they uh i don't know everything about it the discussion that maybe didn't take place in the movie, but um, just kind of what you can glean from it. I thought that was very powerful, very well done. Yeah, I it, it's it's strange. I don't remember. You know, I could have I could have just missed this piece of dialogue. But do we know? Like, do they ever reveal like what was the inciting incident of why they're not in each other's lives anymore? Because uh, you know, clearly by the by 2005 in the timeline of this movie he is now been a movie star but is also sort of going through this like you know therapy session and and trying to figure out where's his anger come from and like at, i i don't remember at any point did they say why he and his dad don't speak anymore based on his real life it just appears that um cuz i think up till a couple years ago it had been like 7 years since they had talked so it was a chunk of time but um I think I imagine once he was legal age, he probably got emancipated yeah. or just lived with his mom instead. <clears throat> yeah, it was just interesting there's that there were there, there are certain oh, sorry, things. Oh, sorry. Um, there's just certain things that they don't really allude to that feel like are things they just kind of left unanswered. So, like you know, for instance, like in the story of the movie, <clears throat> we know why he's no longer talking to his father, and then ultimately by the end of the movie, sort of a slight spoiler for the end we don't know if his dad is even alive or not. Yeah. That's kind of what I assumed. I thought his father had died. Uh, Cause it seemed like a dream sequence when he went back to speak to him. I, I really thought the, the marijuana was going to come like bite him in the ass and we would, that would just gonna be like a big downfall or something. Yeah. I think there's probably, you know, like this, this movie clocks in at like an hour 32. Like it's pretty, it's for a, you know, movie about somebody's life ostensibly like it's a pretty short movie and it feels like they're and it's, it's, yeah and it's not supposed to be like this is the you know the saga of Shia LaBeouf sure it's supposed to be like the things that sort of shaped him like a slice out of what it was like to be him yeah and I think, I think part of it you know obviously like we said like this was written as part of his like rehab process but I think like a lot of this is maybe even his own version of like why I, you know why this all happened to me like why we you know we sort of like i said from the outside sort of saw him having a meltdown and like what he sort of worked through in his own in his own mind of like what that was about like why he sort of had that sort of mental like that sort of breakdown and these are you know exhibit a b c d whatever of like what you know what he kind of went through mm -hmm. um there's a quote, actually, I can read you guys. Um, they asked him what it was like making a film based on the script um, in, that he wrote in rehab, and he said, it's strange to fetishize your pain and make a product out of it and feel guilty about that. I felt very selfish. This whole thing felt very selfish. I never went into this thinking, oh, I'm going to fucking help people. That wasn't my goal. I was falling apart. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And he, you know, himself... You know, this is post rehab. You know, I think we're all aware that you know he's. I think you would call it a performance artist. He's done a lot of odd things, um, some more dubious than others. Like he made that graphic novel, and it was basically like ripped off from somebody else. And then when he apologized, the apology was ripped off from a different person's apology. Like, yeah, I and then that. he did like mm -hmm. he he did like the weird performance art where he rented out that space and said i am not famous and not to discount like this is all this is all stemming from someone who you know went through a lot and was going through things but you know that's the other thing to remember too is this is a script you know based on his own life and and featuring that but there's there's still things uh, you know blown out or things that are kind of accentuated a lot more because 
you know, you can read other accounts and it sounds like, you know, his mom wasn't just a voice on the phone. He was moving around and he was ultimately happy. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of, uh, it is interesting that that quote that, that kind of puts some context into it where he felt like he was making sort of something more cinematic out of how he was feeling about everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's tough like that to tell a, a story when you, when you have to dig through your life, try and find a cohesive story with the beginning, middle and end and all that. So I think he, he just ch- chose one aspect of his life essentially and uh, kind of explained uh what it was and what the repercussions were yeah Mm. yeah i think in terms of like in terms of a movie it's like thematically it's not very satisfying in terms of like i think there's a lot of people who watch movies just kind of see like a character's arc and to see it come to completion and in terms of like his acceptance of his father's abuse like there is there is sort of like he is sort of slowly coming to term throughout the movie over like what his father did to him and it's like you know by the in the beginning of the movie he's just like i don't know what talking about my dad has to do with any of this by the by the end of it he's sort of kind of coming to grips with this is what happened and this is why i am this way but there's not really any resolution in terms of like him confronting his dad or finding out even what happened to his dad like you know like like we sort of alluded to at the end of the movie he goes back to the the motel where they spent so much time while he was working on a project and he sees his dad. His dad was a, a rodeo clown, right? Yeah. And so he sees his dad in rodeo clown makeup, and they have this sort of scene where they, it seems like they're reconnecting, and then you get to the end of the movie where they're both riding off on a motorcycle together, and it's interspliced with he's actually riding on the motorcycle by himself, sort of telling you that mm-hmm. that whole thing was a dream sequence. And so he doesn't really, you know, he, I think in his, that was maybe sort of a, I thought that meant that I think that meant his dad was never real. <laughs> Just a dream. Um, if you and then it cuts it cuts back to all the scenes and there's no dad in any of the scenes. <laughs> that was insane, dude. My mind is fucking. Dude, blown. that's that is trippy. Um, I always knew that uh, that Shia LaBeouf was the chosen one, immaculate conception, no father, created by the force. Uh, but I think like that was thematically like I think that was supposed to be that he was sort of in his mind forgiving his father, right? But like we don't get the the confrontation between those two characters. There's not like even if his dad is dead, it's not like they he goes to his graveside and says like I forgive you, dad. You know like what what would happen in like a a bigger budget Hollywood movie? And I think th- like for like thematic cinematic reasons, it's probably not as uh, satisfying to a moviegoer as you would want the movie to be, I guess. I I yeah. also liked how little. And then he's like, he's like, son, take my Energon cube. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Witwicky, I mean, a uh, honey boy. You are. We're looking for the organism, honey boy. <laughs> sorry, Max. Uh, sorry, go Max. Ahead. I cut you off. Uh, all good. I was just going to say that I like that um, they don't necessarily paint everything as good or bad. So there's obvious uh, trauma that was caused to him by his dad, but he also gives him a ton of credit for um, sticking by him, even though uh, sometimes it's questionable the reasons why he stuck by him, and also teaching him uh, some of what he knows. So he's saying, yeah, you are the reason I am the way I am, both bad and good. Uh, you You kind of made me into the star I am, but also you made me into a fucking wreck, you know? Yeah. Both at the same time without dismissing either or without, um, uh, yeah, I don't know, dismissing, discounting any, either of the other without painting it completely good or completely bad. Yeah. He also like, as a, as a child, like says to his dad, the only reason I'm here is because I pay you. Yeah. Well, he try he tries to guilt him. He's like, "Do you know what it feels like to be a, a father and have your son have to like talk to you that way and have to like you know pay you?" And he was like, "That's the only." And then he says, like as a rebuttal, like that's the only reason you're here. Like it's sort of like, it should have been a moment where it's like, yeah, swallow your pride. Like stop ask acting so emasculated when you know that I'm the reason. He says that at the food truck too. He's like, "Man, I wish I was you, man." Like damn, these girls are looking at me and stuff. Like, uh, that sucks. I wish I could do that. And it's like, 
damn, dude, like impart something more than chicken car wheels. Right. <sighs> I I think it is a, a interesting take too on the whole idea of masculinity and how uh, like when when his dad is emasculated, he heads out on his Harley to a strip club and just gets drunk and does uh, that manly stuff to kind of make up for it. And, uh, and he's always wearing that, um, combat, a veteran, uh, jacket. Yeah. And just kind of like, he is playing that role of the, the masculine guy and kind of was destroyed by it and is taking it out on his son. And it's just kind of unfortunate that uh, that stuff really gets to me. I think the whole, um, masculine mindset and how, how much damage it's done to our culture yeah and I mean, uh, how many people have kind of been the ripples right like now Shia LaBeouf has to deal with it too not just his dad and it, it kind of goes it goes through forcing someone into that that position yeah yeah well I mean it's uh not the not the most cheery movie in the world but would you guys recommend people see it <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's, it's interesting to see, especially if you've had questions about Shia LaBeouf too, like, you know, what's, what's going on with that. But even if you have no interest in Shia LaBeouf, I think as a movie, it's just an interesting look at, uh, relationships between people. Yeah. I agree with that. Uh, Rob. Yeah. Like I said, I was a little, I was a little, uh, on the other side of the fence on it, but I, I would say like, I could still like recommend it, especially like, like I said, I sort of went in halfway without any context. And then even afterwards reading <clears throat> and realizing that it's, you know, it's, it's just based on, um, but it was still insightful and, uh, it definitely gives some context. So I would give it like a soft recommendation. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely would want to know kind of the kind of movie you're getting in for. Yeah. <laughs> that's definitely a sad <laughs> one to see. It is not, like yeah, it's not a, star. not a romp for people to know yeah sorry i didn't uh warn you about it beforehand rob i didn't really know what i was getting into I thought, myself. Okay. I, I didn't have any idea what kind of movie it was so yeah how about you andrew i i yeah i think i i would also recommend it it is i agree with both of you i think it's it like you have to it is a definitely a movie know what you're getting into and i mean if they've listened to the review they know what they're getting into but like it's one of those movies that you should know it's not exactly this like, you know, lighthearted father and son adventure movie. And it's going to like gear in towards a lot of like very heavy subjects. But if you can, if that's something that you are in the mood for, I think it's a very good movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah, whoop-de-doo. <laughs> we will uh, talk to you guys again later. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. Wash your hands. <laughs>